Hey, what's up, everybody? How you doing? This is Len, a.k.a. the Fat Triple of Black Triples. And you are listening to another stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host. Uh, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, G-Town Radio, Wednesdays, 8 to 10. There you go. We are going to um, be bringing you another review of yet another black film. This time is going to be 2013's Big Words um, by director, writer-director Neil Drumming. But first, we're going to take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Yay, housekeeping. We got My mail. favorite con. All right. We got mail. What we, we got? We got mail. We have an email from Maurice Poplar, who is a, a fan of ours that listens to us on the Michelle Mission stream and also listens to us on Black Tribbles. So Very nice. Thank you, Maurice. He does double duty. He said he's loving the Michelle Mission, gents. I'm sure Purple Rain will come up soon <laughs> enough. However, I look forward to you doing Under the Cherry Un- Moon. Under the Cherry Moon. Maurice, one of my favorite movies. He says that this film... Uh, has gotten a very bad rap because people thought it was a follow-up to Purple Rain, but it is actually a very profound film that deeply affected me when I finally saw it in the 90s. And I would love, if able to, either via Skype or however, to be on the show when you do eventually review this. Let me know if we can make that happen. Keep doing what you're doing, dudes. Maurice, we can make that happen. We can make that happen. We can absolutely make that happen. Hey, Lynn, do you know do you, do you know about the Recosto? Like like you're real sophisticated and you've been a lot of places and you're well traveled and you're urbane, but you don't know nothing about the Recosto. I don't know nothing about the Recosto. So you're supposed to say it like the French girl in the movie. She says, "No, I don't know about the Recosto." <laughs> and then and then uh, Christopher Tracy says, "Well, where else you gonna get your records? Okay, so <laughs> we- Maurice, I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of Under the Cherry Moon. So it's been a while since I've seen that you, movie. You, you are in good hands. It's been a while since I have seen that movie. Um, the only thing that I remember from that movie is that the chemistry between Prince and Jerome. Oh my God! Is is like as much as Prince wants it to be. It's not the same as Morris Day and Jerome. It's not. But I still enjoyed it. I think Jerome is is the magic ingredient, though, and I think you're right. Like, I, I, like you can tell, Prince saw mm-hmm. Jerome and Morris Day and said, "I want a piece of that." Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can you can definitely tell that. So yeah, Maurice, we will definitely try and make that happen. I believe, if I'm correct in the tea leaves, that June is Black Music Month. So maybe we'll try and arrange a couple of movies for like, June, like, like music movies. There you go. And, I like that. And. Instead of doing what everybody would would figure, we go to Purple Rain. We'll do Under the Cherry Moon. It's a, it's one of my favorite Prince albums. The soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, it is a good, so, it, it is a very underrated album. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. All right, there you go. So hey, Maurice, we'll be calling you. All in right, June, Maurice, bro, and make that so. All right, um, and we invite any and all of you fans of the Michelle Mission to hit us up, Michelle Mission at Gmail dot com. That is M I C H E A U X Mission at gmail.com with any of your thoughts or concerns or you can leave a comment right there on the show if you follow us on the Michelle Mission on iTunes or if you check us out through the Black Tribbles 
podcast network uh, on their feed at blacktribbles.com. Let's get into 2013's Big Words. MC Wordsmith, DJ Malik the Cut Mystic, and that is you. Your group was signed to Sunshine. You knew my dad. You worked with him. I used to do my thing back in the day. My cousin John could rhyme his ass off. I was in a group with my cousin and a friend of ours. Who was it? Down low poets. You were in a gay rap group? Nothing's gay about that. It was it was the 90s. It was John who actually sent our demo to your dad. I don't need a guarantee. I just need a chance. And I have passion. I hate to break it to you, sweetheart, but music industry sort of sucks right now. My boy from around the corner used to cut. DJ Malik. What is that? Let me guess, you hate this song. I chopped up that sample 15 years ago and I made a beat just like that. What does that mean for us? We're still gonna have the same rent, the same bills still come in the mail. I just can't picture you. I guess money, I guess bitches. That's what you think rap is about? I like you. I am not gonna be something else that you just stumble ass backward onto and then and forget about when it's gone. This is quite a little reunion, Ben Shine. And I thought maybe you three could tell me some stories. Oh. <laughs> what is he doing here? He's your cousin, and you never see him. Dad's a quitter. Maybe he knows something you don't know. Your rap group is fighting. Big words. Small talk. So, just just a little real-world programming. Those of us, those of you who listen to us weekly know that the plan was actually to do another movie this week and and in between when we taped our last podcast and today as as you may know um Malik Fife Taylor of a tribe called Quest died mm-hmm. and and for for many people and and I absolutely include myself in this number this this was quite a blow like it was quite a blow Fife was uh, um you know, was one of the original members of a tribe called Quest, and a tribe called Quest is, um, you know, I have to say the most important artist in my life. Like, like I can't, like you know, you kind of, wow. I, I, I praise. I, it, it really is like, like every, like so much of who I am as a man mm-hmm. can be traced back to a tribe called Quest. I, you know, they were so important to 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 my development as as you know uh, you know politically intellectually you know the way I, I sort of deal with my identity as a black man artistically you know my love of of hip-hop and and of jazz as well and so much of that it is it is a straight line to the effect that a tribe called quest had on my life so that when fife died it really was it it was like it it was like um it was it was like a marvin gay or 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 bob marley or you you know someone that that you you hear people talk about shape their life Mm -hmm. and that feeling of melancholy and and sadness immediately made me think of this film 2013's um Big words, and and big words is a story about a a, a group of of artists, a group of hip hop artists, two MCs and a DJ. They had a group called the Down Low Poets 
in the mid it sounds like the mid 90s yeah you know the early to mid 90s you know during this period where you had a certain type of hip-hop that that was really prevalent you, you know and now they kind of call it backpacker hip-hop or you know alternative you know all of these sort of antecedents they put in front of it and you, you know you the de la soul a tribe called quest the leaders moon. of the new the black moon you, you know they they, they mentioned like the fushnikins in there be, mm-hmm. because and were like the umcs which i think is important because it sounds like that was the level that the down low poets were on like they yeah, were yeah. sort of that was their vibe that was their world that was their vibe that was their world and it's 10 15 years later right and it is the eve of of the election of Barack Obama in 2008 which is an important moment for mm-hmm. this to take place because so much of this film is about how do you deal with tomorrow like how do you deal with 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 uh with with an unexplored tomorrow and and you know and i think that's something that that you know all of us deal with eventually like like all of us eventually have to deal with this this unexplored tomorrow but i think what makes this particular group these young black men mm-hmm. you know re- still relatively young i mean if you yeah. sort of do the the numbers like i think they're right at 40 no they're actually probably in there to- well, yeah, I guess maybe like you know, the late thirties. Yeah, the yeah. late thirties, or you know, you know, because you think it's two thousand eight. You know, they said they started when they were eighteen, right? And and then they kind of um, probably did that for a number of years. For a number of years, fell off for fifteen, off, right? For fifteen, so they were like when I did the the math, they were right at forty. Maybe one one a couple of them were forty. Okay, so is this moment where you're basically dealing with this question of um what do you do when you're an aging b-boy mm-hmm. like like what do you do when you're an aging b-boy and what does it mean to grow up and you know like like the one quote from the movie that i think really sums up the whole movie there there's a point where um the character annie played by yaya da costa yep who um has been in several things i, th- I think the thing that i recognize her from was the whitney houston movie that was on lifetime she's a regular now on chicago med okay all yeah. right and okay what is that it's a uh, <laughs> uh, the latest the latest like i said know, okay all right like i was gonna keep going but then i realized i didn't know what the hell you were talking about it's the latest medical drama uh, on television that's on um nbc it's in the it's part of their Chicago three because there's Chicago Med, there's Chicago Fire, and then there's uh, Chicago either Blue or Chicago PD or something like that. And I know all of these things because I'm inundated by it via Hulu on the steady watching that my girlfriend does of these shows. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she I'm glad she's working. She is working, she's but, money. but 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 she is um talking to the character John played by by the very underrated Dorian Missick. Yes. Uh Dorian Missick is is one of those actors from the the mid 90s who would be in stuff and his face you recognize. He, right, you recognize his face. And 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 Dorian Missick plays John who was at, he was the title character. His his MC name was Big Words, aka Wordsmith. AKA the Wordsmith. And she says to him at some point you are so obsessed with the past. You can't let go of the past. You just find yourself in the past. And he says to her, it's easier than figuring out who we're supposed to be now. I know so many men in, in, 
this age group in our age group trying to kind of figure that out and and part of the way that they're trying to figure out who they are now is that they don't figure it out and yeah, and don't. and they find themselves sort of obsessed mm-hmm. with the past and trapped and 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 trapped in the past and and you know and part of the way that this conversation happens and it's it's such a seductive line of conversation is we talk about the golden age of hip hop and the golden age of this. And, you know, on the one hand, it makes you feel good because you feel like, you know, you're, you're sort of this, this critical person who, who with this kind of sage worldview Mm -hmm. talking about what's going on now, as opposed to what's going on there. But in a lot of ways, it's a way to hide. So I think that's, that's all kind of wrapped up when we talk about these groups and 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 you know when i say we it this is very much a case of looking in the mirror because i think part of the reason that something like big words and the characters in big words stuck with me is because i saw myself in in them so much because i i I am one who who you you know if, if you don't watch it i will i will go completely off about these kids and their music and what is this? And that's not even hip hop. And what do you know about Rakim? And you go and 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 part of it is this sort of fetishization of the past. And the other part of it about big words and and you know though where I kind of I kind of I kind of linked it to a tribe called Quest. Right around this time is when the documentary came out. Oh, around the, the time of the movie. Around the time that the, the movie Big Words yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. This is also around the time. That um, or at least when I saw it, okay. Like I feel like the 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 uh, Tribe Called Quest documentary came out around the same time. So this was in 2013, right? And the documentary was um, Beats Rhymes, Beats Rhymes in life. life, yeah. Which was the documentary 2011, yeah, 2011, right? So three years. Well, later. like I said, I saw oh, it around, two years before, right? Year, I right. saw it around the same time, which kind of dealt with these issues of group dynamics Mm -hmm. you you know and it's like you have this beloved group and and you you know you you have this vision of them from the outside but of course there are tensions within the group there are challenges within the group there there are all this thing and you know and part of those tensions and part of those challenges are just people growing apart yep and 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 growing differently and so you know all of that kind of came rushing into me when Fife died which then made me think of big words and all of those are the reasons that I that I like big words like I was like I was a fan of big words when it came out okay additionally just watching it for for uh for this episode I think I was struck by the relationships you know I I I thought that you know there are three relationships there are three you know three members of the group there, there's there's big words and and you know john and john meets a, a the, this dancer played by yaya da costa named annie, annie. annie and and they sort of have this 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 seed of a relationship throughout the day yeah that that kind of gets planted and they talk to each other and then you have um terry or or dj malik played by um played by dorian sill evans mm-hmm. and he is in a long-time relationship with his girlfriend brie 
Right. Played by Gene Gray. I know. Gene Gray. And I remember when, when this first came out thinking, wow, Gene Gray is and this is before she kinda started having her own web series and, and she but Gene Gray is fantastic. She is. And a little bit that she's done. And she's a little bit. The yeah, yeah. So so he but but they have this wonderful kind of post hip hop domesticity where, where they kind of live together and 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 you know it's 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 this wonderful dynamic where you know like I like the fact that he was smoking weed and then she said let me get a hit of that before I go to work and he's like but you're going to work and she said well you know I can handle mine right so you know you have this kind of classic setup where where the woman is more responsible and and she's the the straight one and and the man is just sort of doing his thing but she you know she kind of works within it in a really interesting way. Yeah, she does what a lot of women do. She she loves the dude, realizes that, <clears throat> you know, his dream is to continue on with this whole DJing thing. Kind of wants him to maybe get his act together with it. You Absolutely. Know, be real about it. Or, you know, I'll support you if this is what you want to do, but you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And, I mean, she says the other thing, like I said, there are a couple of lines in this film that kind of kick me in the stomach. Mm-hmm. And she says one of them, like his mantra, like, again, his whole persona is, you know, this old school hip hop dude. And I love hip hop and I love hip hop. And she tells him, you don't love hip hop. Like you keep saying you love hip hop, hate it, but you hate everything about it. Right. Like you hate the music. You hate the kids. You hate the gigs. And it really is, you know, this really sophisticated way of looking at the art. Because I do think that that again, when we talk about and, and we're talking about hip hop, but I think you can talk about this with any kind of art. Like well, it's a living, breathing thing. So that just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it hasn't moved on, right? And and become something different. And in fact, if you love it, that's what you want it to do. Exactly. Like you want, you it, want to- it to blossom and grow and go in different directions and leave you there. So. I love the fact that she was so in tune with him. And like you said, she didn't tell him to sell all this shit and go get a job and, and put on she's like, no, I need you to do what you love or, or do something. Cause right. you know, you're sitting in here <laughs> watching porn and, and playing Xbox. Like this isn't a life. So I love the two of them. And then, you know, I enjoyed James, the final character played by a uh, Jabinga, a kinbe and you know as as we say if we mispronounce it is the ignorance of our lips not our heart best known as 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 he was in the um the he was wire. in the wire in the wire right in the wire but he plays James the the second the third member of the group who has subsequently come out right and he's in a relationship with his boyfriend and that is a fantastic relationship because you can see like he says at one point there's all this pressure on us to be this perfect couple. And I've actually heard lots of different permutations of picture perfect couples saying this, Mm -hmm. whether it's an interracial couple, whether it's a black couple in a white world, whether, you know, I've known some gay couples that say this, where there's all this pressure on you. Right. To not mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're standing up. You're You're the representative. you're, You're the standard bearer for the outside world. And you can see how, in front of us, it's collapsing yep. under this pressure. Yep. And so I love these three very distinct 
relationships and what they told us about the three the three main characters and the three members of of the group you know not for nothing i was a fan of the women in 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 this movie um specifically brie and annie yeah just because you know like i said I, th- I thought they were kind of fully formed thought they they you know represented two distinct types of people and and i i, I just love seeing that so well the arc of john and annie that's the whole movie for me mm-hmm. that that is the most the the most realistic and truest um story it, well i shouldn't say truest story but that's the story that resonates the most i think because there because of one the the level of acting of the two that are playing the characters uh dorian messick and uh yaya DaCosta, like you said um they are just they are like pitch perfect in their portrayals of those two characters and it's also uh, a credit to the dialogue in that it doesn't get lost in any type of faux romantic platitudes or you know bumbling you know getting to know you stuff it really is just conversation about the day about what's going on about each other's life and through that an exploration of how they mesh together um and so much so that they then do come together you know spoiler alert at the at the end of the movie and even then what happens next is a little bit ambiguous right um it reminded me their whole convers their whole relationship reminded me of the converse of the the relationship that we um featured in medicine for melancholy okay in that it is just this this slice of life this day in this in the in in the life of these two people that are that are uh, come together um there's the MacGuffin of him having to get to the party to get her a microphone so that she can further her singing career but there is but through all that there still is just you know you see all the all the seeds being sowed of what could be a very very nice relationship all those seeds are being sowed just in them at the studio and his whole vibe with the producer that's trying to hit on her when all she wants to do is get a microphone just in her when they're they're walking along the streets and then like waiting for a bus and and they're just looking longingly and and she's talking about you know what she wants out out of life and what you seem to be hiding from right from life and then once they get to her apartment once they get to her apartment that's when this that's when the movie for me came alive that's mm-hmm. when they're all of a sudden there's like this identity to the movie and there is a little bit of uh there's more energy to the movie once they once they are in her apartment and they're dealing with her and she as real as she has been up until that point this is when she really exacts her realness because you see her, she's, she's um, getting ready for the party and she's looking in the mirror and she's about to put on her lipstick and she realizes, wait a minute, I need to be me. And then she doesn't put on lipstick. She takes off her wig. Right. She combs out her afro. Right. You know what I mean? And then she, then she, this is me. You are going to really take me, Annie, 
to this party not the the stripper which is what she do, is and how he know, knows her uh not the stripper that that you see on the pole um and and a day stripper a day stripper why you say she she strips in the day well, uh, uh, well okay she may i think i think the implication was that she had gotten off early that morning okay because he said where are you i came i was looking for all right no, no. anyway <laughs> Um, I, I, maybe that flew over my head. Um, but, but then it's, you know, you're going to take the real me to this party. And it's then that this movie really came alive. The one thing that I, I, I felt what you felt there, all of the relationships are very interesting and they all have a lot to say about what each of these guys are going through. But I thought what was lacking in those stories at least in the way that they were portrayed was any type of energy. There was just no, mm. energy. like, like the whole story of James and his, and, and, and his coworker that, that he finds out was actually the son of their old, their old manager. Right. And wants to do the, the whole story right. about them. Like that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. and it percolates for a, a split second in them, you know, they go out to lunch and they're having like a conversation about uh, about the about the thing. But then it completely falls flat after that. And then I honestly lost total interest in that story. I did not care mm-hmm. one way about that story. The dude, the DJ, uh, Malik, and him whining about hearing, you know, somebody else use this use this beat the same way that I was going to use it back right, on right, our right, album right. that never came out. Right, dude. There is not a hip hop head out there like like me i used to be in a rap group i was in a rap group for about five five six years and i, I can't remember exactly what the sample was from because i wasn't the producer i was the rapper but there was a, a sample that we just found and had worked to perfection we were like oh my god this is gonna be we're gonna use this this is gonna hot this is gonna be blow us up and within three weeks before like you know we wasn't doing anything we was still like stockpiling tracks black moon came out with that beat I bet your producer remembers what the sample was. Oh, he knows what the sample was. <laughs> he knows what the sample was. Scott knows. Who, what's up, Scott? He knows what the sample was. But th- there's not a hip-hop head that hasn't had that happen. And Scott is sitting somewhere right now. It was the horn line from Horace Silver's 1972 album. Amen. Amen, dog. So we've all we've all got those stories. We've all don't have those stories. Like, I do have to interject. Like, that's a very specific type of story. Okay. Maybe it's a okay. little specific like that's a like that is a that is the quintessential 90s hip-hop story okay all right so i quickly got tired of his whining about it Um, (laughs) and maybe and maybe it's because unlike everyone else the other guys they had you know a sounding board you know Mm -hmm. john had annie and you know to to give it back as good as he gave gave james had the, you know his coworker, and then when he got home, he had his he had his boyfriend Terry, mm-hmm. uh, and then the people that were at the party. So he he was he, he was bouncing off of other people. Uh, Malik, he for the most part was just monologuing 
I mean, he, he was monologuing to somebody who would be monologuing to the bartender. He'd be sure. monologuing to the owner of the bar. Um, the scenes that he does with Jean Grey are cool. They're actually cool. They're two minutes at the beginning of the movie, yeah. and they're two minutes at the end of the movie. Yeah. Jean Grey is gone for the rest of that movie yeah. um, to the detriment of this film because, again, she brings energy to it. Like you say, she stands out to you so much because, yeah. because that's how good she was. Yeah. I like the idea of the movie. I really mm-hmm. do. And I'm fine with it just being more dialogue driven than a whole lot of action going. And I dig that they said it at the time of, of President Obama's um, election. Yet that's very much, very much in the background. It's not, it doesn't, they don't have to, they only reference it in that this is what's happening. This is what you're hearing on the TV. This is the sounds that you're hearing echoing out of the streets. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really, in a way it's a commentary on how self-involved all three of them are, that they are become oblivious or, or, or don't even care about what's going on. This, this historic moment in history. So wrapped up in their own dance with history, if you want to put it that way. And I, and I guess I get that, but it, but then again, it still, it didn't really sing to me. And then the other thing that I really think is the biggest part that I, uh, I think is a detriment to this film is that, you know, Neil Drumming, he directs it and this is his, this is his, his feature debut. Yes. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's okay. It's, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything great. This is not some, some great coming out of this uh noted director I, I apologize it's it's a competent direction but i think the the style of the film cinematography of the film is a little pedestrian and doesn't have any type of identity it doesn't it doesn't do the 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 movie any service right there's no style there's no style there's mm-hmm. no, it doesn't create an identity an identity to this film. It doesn't create any type of um, add any type of uh, color or resonance to any of the scenes, except to a degree in her apartment. I have a funny feeling that in her apartment, they went a little bit more handheld and thus there was a little bit more energy to it. I'm not saying you have to do handheld through the whole thing, but there was, there were a little bit of changing of textures and uh, filters in the way that they shot them in her apartment as opposed to the rest of the film especially a lot of the office scenes a lot of the office scenes look like they was they were uh deleted scenes from from some type of 90s sitcom or security cam yeah maybe even that yeah um i think that is does the the film a disservice and kept me from really sinking into to it i also like that the whole reason for their breakup is very was more or less inconsequential, you know. I think inconsequential, but again, a version of a story you've heard, you've heard before, like over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah, you definitely, know? definitely. Um, first, just you know, disclaimer: like, like you pretty much, like I'm pretty much in the bag for this movie, just for the feeling it elicits. So, so having, I hear you. Starting with that, I thought it was very important that it was on the day of the election because, like you said, it. The, the fact that they were so disengaged mm-hmm. and the film kind of reflects their disengagement right. with this 
this historic moment. And, you know, I think it's worth noting that this is a film that came out in 2013. You know, conservatively, they start making it in 2012. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe wrote it in 2011. So this is not a film that was made thinking that the election was the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Because right. we had, you know, we had lived long enough. Go, oh, no, it's the same old, you know, BS that we deal with. So the fact that he kind of puts it at this moment when so many people were excited about the possibility whether it came true or not, which okay. obviously yeah. it didn't. And like I said, I think I, I think all three of these men are so not only wrapped up in their in themselves, but they're kind of afraid of tomorrow and afraid of, of looking at themselves in in a context outside of of this kind of moment mm. of their youth. Mm-hmm. That says a lot about them that they're because the other thing I, I thought was um important, none of them vote. No. Like none of them vote. Like like, you know, um James doesn't think he can vote, or or rather John doesn't think he can vote because of his conviction. Because of his conviction. But but neither Terry nor nor James votes. Like they show they show uh Well ter- neither James nor Malik. You keep calling him Terry. Well that well, well Terry is is his government. Malik was his DJ name. Remember, because he became five percent. Okay, and he became right, right. DJ Malik. Right. Okay. Um, you know they they show we'll, we'll call him Malik. We, you know they show Malik in line for about forty five seconds <laughs> to vote, and then, and then he sees how bored. long the line is, and he's like, "I'm not standing in this line to participate in this once in a lifetime event," <laughs> and he leaves. But you know, and and I think. Where you see lack of energy in the what what I got from that is again you you've got these three men who have this like kind of deadened limb almost where mm-hmm. where they just can't connect and 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 you know like we said at the end you get the possibility. No, I feel you on that, but the, the lack of energy is I'm not made to feel what they're feeling. I feel what John is feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I do. Malik, I don't feel it. Oh, you don't know a guy like Malik. Come I don't feel Malik. I don't feel Malik. Oh, come and on. James, you know a dude like Malik. And James, considering considering, you know, if you if you look at the actor Jambinga Agimbe, uh, uh Agnabe, uh, how uh, I apologize. Um if you see him in The Wire, admittedly almost 10 years ago now, and then you see him like I saw him in the wire, and he he's 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 rage personified in 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 the wire because he's like one of the hitmen, uh, in those, like those last two seasons. But then I've seen him do some other things since then. He's a great actor. He's a pretty good actor. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I've seen him. I think I saw him on the. Uh, he appeared on the West Wing at one mm-hmm. time. And, yeah, he's uh, been in stuff. He's been he's been in a few stuff. But this that intensity. That he shows in the wire, I've seen him do that in other things, even if they are still quieter roles. This is definitively a quieter role, mm-hmm. right? The intensity is not there. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just don't feel it, and and um, and I, I do think the story is there for it. I think that you know he might. I don't think he was given his A game on this one. It, it just didn't, it didn't reach me. Okay. All right. 
Yeah. And I think that's a uh, to the, unfortunately the detriment of the film. Like I said, because the idea is there. I I want to like this. I feel I I've been there. I'm, I'm I've been there in, in in that mode, and um, it, and it, it touched a little bit, but it it just ultimately it 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 didn't stick the landing with me. You know why, Lynn? Because you figured it out. I figured it out. You figured it out. Like you're not these dudes. Like you've reconciled. I guess all these pieces, but but that's not it. I can still feel. <laughs> well, no, that's not it. I, I it's an okay movie. It, eh, all right, all right. Eh, <laughs> like, would I recommend somebody see it? No, I don't. Think really, you, I don't think you have to see it. I don't think you're missing anything by by not seeing this movie. I really don't. I think if if you want to know about if you want this story, go watch Beats Beats Rhymes in Life. The Tribe Called Quest story. Well, don't do that because that's very sad. That's very sad. Go watch that. Go go watch. We want our name back. The story of Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. Go watch that. You don't need to see big words. Race in this movie. I thought the use of the word nigger throughout this film, Mm -hmm. and the way they kind of frame the conversations, Mm -hmm. and and when you paralleled it with with other um, derogatory terms, right? If you will, there there's um. There are a couple of moments where, where you know, the niggas fly. You know, these niggas, that nigga, my nigga. And there, there, there are a lot of scenes where it's not just black people present. That's true. Which, you know, for a lot of people, that's an added level yeah. of, 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 you know, complication mm-hmm. when we deal with this complicated word. There were two moments that, that I thought, huh, I think Neil Drumming is, is trying to say something here. Okay. The first moment... Um, Malik goes to a friend's house and they're smoking weed and, and they're talking about, you, you know, the stuff with the record. And, and the friend has an Asian girlfriend yeah. or, or wife. I, I couldn't tell a mate, if you will. There you go. And at one point, the friend asks um, Malik, you know, are you feeling all right? You look a little crazy over there. Like there's the weed hitting you, hitting you, hitting, hitting, hitting you hard. And Malik says, yeah, I know I got these chinky eyes and but something, 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 something. And, you know. I think if you are a, a a person of a certain age, and certainly a black person of a certain age, the phrase chinky eyes mm-hmm. is something that you've heard. Yeah. But this is obviously a derogatory term for an Asian person. And which makes instantly makes her ears which, perk up. Which, which and, and she is offended by. Yes. And her her black boyfriend is also offended by it and tells Malik to leave. Right. And I thought I thought, you know what, because that happens early. And I'm like, huh, because again, the niggas are flying freely. You know, these my niggas, that's my nigga while she's there. And, you know, she doesn't say it, but, you know, it, it's it's mixed company, mm-hmm. as my mother would say. And there's that. And then later on, when um when James is talking to his co-worker, his subordinate, really, and both of them are gay. And, and the co-worker at one point actually says to to uh james you know you use that word a lot mm-hmm. and he says it's just a word like it's just a word you know don't trip over it but later on the two of them are talking and 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 the co-worker is gay as well and the co-worker says something 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 oh he didn't know you were a fag fag, fag yeah and james's whole demeanor changes mm-hmm. like you can tell that the word fag hits him they smacked him in a way that the word nigger doesn't. Right. So those are my two observations. 
mm-hmm. of of how these these sort of words work. And I guess my analysis is, you you know, again, I think one of the things that 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 I do like about this film. And and, you know, going back to me pushing a little bit about everybody has that story about the beat that somebody got to first. And I says, everybody does not have that story at all. That's a very specific story. Like my father and and my grandfather and my younger nephew, they don't have that story. Like you had to be like, this is a very specific story about beats. And I think as we all kind of, you know, continue to kind of deal with the word nigger. I thought this was a snapshot of that where where it is this weird kind of porous when is it appropriate when is it not appropriate right strangely in some contexts chinky eyes or fag can be more derogatory than nigger and I was like huh this this is some real post hip hop stuff right here. Like this is actually some hip hop stuff mm-hmm. right here. Because I think one of the things that, you know, if you love hip hop and you love hip hop culture, it's, it, we talk about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. You know, do we use the word? Who uses the word? Who gets to use the word? Why are we using the word? Maybe we should bury the word. Maybe we do this with the word. And I think everybody comes at it from different perspectives and 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 one of the things that i got from this movie you know we talked about a little bit last week with dope right because the same thing with dope is this is this is this sort of cultural facet that we had to deal with so i wanted to get that and i wanted to get to get that in there get that out there y'all don't see my hands i'm doing to get that in there and it's in there (laughs) it's definitely in there i i um those moments did kind of like you know hit me a little bit actually the scene about the whole chinky eyes thing that hit me a little bit more and i actually i kind of i kind of like that that scene i kind of like that like that brother that uh the other actor. yeah he was not he was he was nice i wish he was in more of the movie it you know it it kind of speaks to i don't know i i've been trying failing at it to be honest uh but trying to get that word out of my vocabulary okay um and it just flies a little bit frequently like like everyone else i know when to use it and not to use it i just want not don't want to use it anymore um just for just for principle's sake just for principle's sake okay i don't i don't want to use it anymore but i still recognize and don't have any problem when people in a certain company right do kind of let it fly just in the same way that i've been in you know rooms with gaggle of women and they let the b word fly right you know at nauseam, but bitch, yeah, but don't nobody say that. To, you know, don't don't call me one. Right, right, don't right. The right, wrong right. person call me one. right. Or or in a, in a, a room with you know uh, with uh, homosexuals and they let the f word fly. Sure. Um. So fag. Yes, I'm not a fan of word the n word and the s. I didn't know how we were framing it on this show. Even I mean, we, I'm assuming we, I mean, we have curse on. This I mean, show. I mean, you know, we're we're adults. Yes, I I'm am. assuming people don't think that we're misogynists and homophobes. I and hope they don't. Racist. I hope they don't. So you know, of course, you know, you do keep your Facebook feed on private. So I don't know. <laughs> 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 it's just a joke. Um, so, uh, so I mean, I guess I say all that to say that it, it's a complicated issue. It's a conversation that's going to be ongoing for forevermore, and. Um, 
it's a cool aspect of this movie. Still not a reason to see it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, I mean, you know, hey, like you said, Yaya's working. So I'm happy. I was very happy to see that Yaya is still working. She, she, yes. she she's on Chicago meds. I think Dora Messick is on one of them like CW shows. He probably I think is. he's on Brandy show. Oh yeah. Brandy. Oh, Brandy. Isn't that on like a B B T centric. One of those shows bounce TV one, one of the black networks, one of them. And it's always like a show. <laughs> like it's always a show with some people. But I, do, but I do think her show, from what I understand, is is uh, like you know it's not it's on a own because it's not like a Tyler like it's like not one of Tyler. It's Perry not a Tyler shows. Perry or, or or a reality show, so it's not. Owned. And it's not a reality show. Yeah, it's an actual. You know, it's a, it's and it's a, not a Shonda Rhimes show. It's not a Shonda Rhimes show. So it's, it's got to be on a Black Network. It's one of them. It's, the place. it's one of them shows. <laughs> it's one of them shows. Yeah, you know. Anyway, go ahead. God bless her. I like Brandy. I love. Uh, at a at a soft spot for Brandy. Okay. I- I don't even know why. I just I, have a soft spot. For I'm me. trying to figure. Did I say I didn't like Brandy? I like no, Brandy. but no. no. I'm just. I guess I'm taking a moment to, you know. You know why I like Brandy? Cape up because Brandy's Brandy. brother is an American treasure. Brandy's brother. Is Raymond whole, Norwood is an American treasure. He's a whole ass. That's what he is. <laughs> Go ahead. If, if an ass can be a treasure, then yes, he's a treasure. Well, there are some ass. Well, anyway, we're going down a wrong road. Now they're going to think we're misogynist. <laughs> I don't know what we you to I, I say. Oh man, he's gonna leave me. He's gonna leave me. That here, here you go. You talking about racial stuff? What you mean? We pale face. <laughs> anyway, I like the use of potholes in my lawn as the, the whole as as the reference point as the um as what inspired him. Yeah, as what inspired. And I actually him. did like that too because I've always liked potholes in my lawn, but I never knew. Like that, it was a disc record, right? Right I, right. I never read it that way. Right. Right. And that did make me go like, oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I never. Well, thought of it you that know, way. again, I think. I, first of all, I, I always say I think it's important that we sing our songs because mm-hmm. nobody else is going to sing them. When, when when I put Fife in the same category as a Bob Marley or a, um Marvin Gaye at the beginning, and I'd also say you know. Like when people talk about like Bob Dylan and and these people that not just inspired music, but inspired people's lives. Yeah, inspired a generation. And inspired a generation. You know, Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. And and I think it is important for us to speak up about artists that aren't necessarily spoken of with other people. Yeah. Like like when the mainstream and, and they do, you know, Rolling Stone does their 50 most influential artists and this, that and the other. And and, you know, I, you know, I have to say one of the things that like like messed me up so much about when Fife died was my Facebook feed, because part of it was I thought I was the only one. And, you know, it really was like we had a wake. Yeah. Like I had a wake on my Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. Where everyone talking and, and I always think there's a um on on um on um appropriately enough De La Soul's album Stakes is High, mm-hmm. you know at the beginning they have this thing where they said when I first heard Criminal Minded, which is Boogie Down uh Boogie Down Planet's first out al- BDP's first album, and they had all these MCs talking about where they were the first time they heard Criminal Minded, 
and how it changed their life. And this is something that runs throughout the whole album. And then when the album goes off, you hear a kid say, when I first heard Three Feet High and Rising, Mm -hmm. which is De La Soul's first album, you know, I spent that whole day where people were like, you know, when I first heard people's instinctive travels and paths of rhythm. Yeah. And how it 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 changed, you know. I said at the beginning, and and again, I know I'm prone to exaggeration, hyperbole, but it changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like I was one person. I let, like you know, I'll just get it on tape. My 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 roommate. I was at Maryland, and my roommate was a DJ mm-hmm. at 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 Maryland Station, so he'd get promos. And I came home one day, and it was before dinner started at the dining hall. Like, you know, the dining hall switches to dinner. And I got home early, and, you know, it's not like I was going to study. So I was trying to kill some Tom, and and he had a promo mm-hmm. of People's Instinctive Travels. And I threw it on, and I just sat and I listened to it, and I listened to it, and I'll never forget I missed dinner because I sat there for four hours and just listened to it. And it changed my life. Yeah. And I like how the film takes a moment for John talking about he heard potholes in my lawn and it changed his life. Right. And so, you know, you can tell that's Neil. That's Neil's moment. You can tell. Well, well, Neil drumming, like if you you can tell, like, like he's, you know, he's us. Like he's yeah. a, he's a 40 something year old dude. He works. And, and he talked about how he wanted to, you know, make this film where he kind of dealt with his own dealing with basically modern hip hop. Right. So if for nothing else, I like these moments and, you know, eventually we'll get to like top five, you you know, the uh, Chris rock movie from a couple of years ago where you have people talking about how hip hop has affected them. And I do, I think it is very important that we, we, that, you, you know, black people, people that love this art, people or whatever, that we go on record. Yeah. Talking about this. So cape up for our hip hop, for, for our hip hop and for the culture. Most certainly. And, and you, you know, whether it's the culture with, with, with the music that changed your life or whether it's again, you know, grappling with how we going to deal with the word nigger mm-hmm. and how that has changed mm-hmm. because of hip hop. But I thought the the film kind of dealt with that. Is it the greatest film? No. It's yeah. short. <laughs> it's an hour and a half. And yeah, it's short. There you go. It's short. Go. Um That's I one en- good thing. you know, I enjoyed it like I said, I'm probably not the best critic. Like like my, like I don't have the cold critical eye for it that that you know if 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 if, if you come to the Michelle mission looking for Vincent Williams' cold critical eye, this probably isn't the um episode you can't be completely you. objective with I, I can't be objective at all like like i said and, and Linda tell you like like i te- i text i said i gotta change my movie because i was all ready to do you know we were going to do the visit yeah which we'll do and um but share you know rest in peace fife yeah rest in peace rest fife. in peace fife I um fife. um i enjoyed it I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's a good movie, but you, you know, recommend for people to see it. I, I recommend for people to see it. I, I think it's, I think, I think it's a good movie. And, and again, I think it is, um, I think it addresses something that many, you know, frankly, men our age are, because you know, I don't know. I, 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 I've, I've very rarely met women 
who kind of have this kind of quarter life crisis mm. like men I know mm. are having or, or some are having where where, you, you know, we, we, we talked about a little bit last week, this kind of weird Gen X transition, mm-hmm. like how long are you just going to be this person? And, and everybody tells you, well, you supposed to be that person, but like that person has changed. So, um, you, you know, we say it all, you know, sneakers, video games, comic books and hip hop. You just listen to it forever. So, you know, yeah. I like the fact that the film deals with that, too. So I would recommend that you see. Well, there you go. You got one recommendation and one person telling you to go see Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Well, you should do that anyway. You Can't should. you? You should do both. No, will you do grant both. me this? Don't do both. Yes. I think it would be a good double feature. No, it would not. I think it would be a good double no, feature. No, it would not. It's a good double feature. No, go see both not. of them. What would you watch first? I would, watch, I would watch Beats, Rhymes, and Life first. And then you would not have any reason to watch Big Words. Oh, my God. If, you, if anything, you watch Big Words first oh. so that you can get all, your, all your, your bathroom breaks out of the way and then settle in to some real in-depth look at hip-hop in the 90s by way of Beats, Rhymes, Life, the Tribe Called Quest documentary. So disrespectful. That's not disrespectful. That's the real. And that's what we give you right here on the Michelle Mission. Every week, coming your way on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as MichelleMission.com on our website. And it's also part of the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. You can find our show on there as well. Please leave us a note. Leave us a ranking on iTunes. We want to check that out. Um, Give us a ranking. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. Leave us a little comment. Or even if you do it on the Black Tribbles page, that's fine. Either way, it, it helps us. We will be back next week. We're not going to do the visit next week. We are not. We are actually going to be, because we're going to be kicking off April, and April is the the month of love. And we're going to be starting with Eddie Murphy's 1992 romantic comedy, Boomerang. Mm. In your face. And we're going to have a very special guest. We will have Talk Fusion Radio's host, Autumn Simmons. All right. That, that's a name that sounds like you should be talking about romantic comedies. It, it does. Autumn Simmons on Boomerang on the Michelle Mission <laughs> next week. Stay tuned uh, for Vince. This is Len in parting. We say, "Wubba double love love." Suckers walking around talking about they can get some, but that Bible's not sniper. No can do. And if you take out for dope, then ask the other two when I proceed to let you know exactly how to flow. I'm not a law doctor, so just suckle with the hoe. Oops, my mistake, I didn't know you went with her. Should I run down the line of all the kids are done hit her? Don't be bitter. I hear that honey resembles a critter. Heard she likes it two one one like my man John Ritter. But back to the subject, you can't catch wreck. You must give respect to earn respect. Suckers think they can hurt me, cause now it's best. You're full of jokes. Well, yo, your name ain't Flex. I got the riches, the bitches. I'm large like the Huxable. You think you're all that, but your girl's quite doable, yeah. I'm telling you, G, to back up off me. I'm not a man called Hawk, but I ain't Mr. Softy. Rapping is a art coming straight from the heart, so forget the chalk, because the action got stars. <laughs>